Welcome to the Post-Christian Podcast. Our goal is to reframe, simplify, and focus on our mission to make disciples in a post-Christian culture. We discuss reaching new people and raising up leaders while removing the barriers of churchianity. I'm Eric Bryant, one of the executive pastors at Gateway Church in Austin, author of Not Like Me, and resource provider at ericbryant.org. In today's episode, we have Chris Morton, writer, social media manager, you can find him at mortonwordsmith.com. Well, I'm excited to have with me today, Chris Morton. How are you doing, Chris? Doing good. Thanks, Eric. Well, Chris, you are a social media manager. You're kind of in the mix when it comes to some people who are on the real cutting edge of reaching people outside of the church, uh, fresh expressions. You work with Tom Wright, Dr. Tom Wright. Uh, you work with the Missio Alliance. But what are some of the things you've seen in your work reaching the post-Christian world through these organizations and others that has really just highlighted some of the uniqueness of, of our efforts in this world? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, like you said, I, I work a lot on social media and generally online. And I think, you know, one, one thing that has really, uh, I, I try to help people understand is uh, a, a lot of times people reach out to me and say, hey, uh, can I hire you to help me with my social media? And generally what I tell them is you don't need a social media strategy. You need a a really strong content strategy and you use social media to get that out. And here's what I mean by that is that um, there, there are some people who can get famous on the internet or get famous on a specific platform. And uh, usually it's for one of two reasons. Either they've really mastered it early on, like they figured out how to make a beautiful uh, Instagram picture early uh, in the Instagram days, or they're really, to be honestly, divisive. Um, sarcastic, angry, uh, picking fights. Social media really is easy for people who come in with those voices. But there is another group of people who are looking to social media to help them with tangible problems that they have in their day-to-day life or in their career, uh, in church world, with their ministry. Um, So what I encourage people is to figure out who you want to talk to what questions those people are asking um, and how you can offer them value. Figure those things out, create some content uh, that answers those questions that people have um, and then disseminate that on social media. So when you ask specifically, you know, what about post-Christian world? um, I I think there's a, a few different angles that you can talk about it. For one, here's one thing I appreciate about what you do, Eric, is that you're talking about post-Christian. And I think that's really important to really like zone in on that word, that uh, prefix post, right? Because um, in the US or uh, North America, and I would say in a lot of ways, most of the world, there's no such thing as an un-Christian or a pre-Christian. Um, we've got 2,000 years of history, a lot of it with major um, empires <laughs> calling themselves Christian. So we're all post-Christendom. We're all post some form of an overarching uh, worldview or uh, uh I don't know, uh, countries, companies, whatever, that call themselves Christian. And all, all of us are on the other side of that or within it um, or, or on our way out, <laughs> you know, uh, but there are no pre-Christians. There, now, there are de-churched people. Um, there are, de- there are uh, people who have um, 
unconversioned uh, out of uh, the Christian, you know, some Christian religion. But we're all dealing with people who have some experience of Christianity. Now, that could be um, hopefully a uh, a really genuine um, Jesus-inspired, Holy Spirit-filled person that they've had an interaction with or community that they've been a part of. But there's also uh, the Christianity that they learn about in their history books that they hear about on the news, they hear about on Twitter. All of those things are kind of <laughs> combined in a gross way uh, when we say uh, that we're uh, in a post-Christian culture. So a lot of what I try to do um, in my own um, personal social media presence and what I try to help um, help those who I work with do is kind of remember that people are bringing in all this baggage of what they think it means, what they think the word Christian means, or what they think the church is all about, or who they think Jesus is. People are coming in. And uh, I want to be really specific, and I want to surprise them. <laughs> I want to say something that will catch them off guard, will undermine what they think I'm going to say, but will also be um, energizing. And will it will drive them to conversation? I don't think uh, that that social media and honestly the world that we live in today is a place to hedge. You know, it's not a place to like hold your cards closely and kind of. You know, I, I remember when I was starting out in ministry world, and I was really, really trying to to reach people who were outside the church. And I noticed that if people asked me questions about what I believed um, and I would kind of like backpedal a little bit and try to talk in broader terms. And in my mind, um, I was trying to uh, be safe and be someone that they could interact with and not scare them off. What I actually was doing though, was I was being aloof <laughs> mm. and, um, and they didn't know I was actually giving them reason not to trust me. So um I think a lot about like, uh, how can you be winsome in your communication? And I think being specific without using uh, dog whistles or fighting words, but being really specific, here's what I believe. Um, so to go back to, uh, you know, working with people and creating content strategy and things like that, we want to be really specific about what we're offering people and show how it's useful um, and show that it is for a specific kind of person. Not every product is for everyone. Not every, uh, you know, in the world that I work with, um, working with um, churches and uh, and kind of adjacent <laughs> church-related groups, you know, we're not trying to offer something for everyone. So let's know who we're talking to, and let's be specific about what we can offer them, and let's kind of try to do it uh, in a way that is winsome and, and invites people in, into curiosity themselves. Um, and just don't be a jerk about it. <laughs> just don't be a jerk about it. And the last thing I'd say is like, um, offer offer a next step, you know, offer people a chance to uh, listen to what you're doing um, and then think through, okay, what that, would that be? What would that mean for me? What would that mean uh, for my life? And I honestly, I think Eric, that you can, um, get all of this from Jesus, <laughs> right? Uh, so if you look at, uh, take some time to just read through the gospels and consider how Jesus communicates. Um, and what's interesting is, uh, is that because, you know, we believe that Jesus is God, right? That means there has to be consistency. The things he teaches um, has to line up with how he teaches it, right? So for instance, Jesus teaches to turn the other cheek. Um, but then he'll go 
that that's his like direct didactic teaching. Then he turns and he shares um, he shares these stories, right? These parables. And what is that? Well, that you know, he teaches that you should not be not engage in violence. And then he activates people's imagination of what that could look like. He doesn't tell them they're wrong. He doesn't shame them for doing it the wrong way. He says, turn the other cheek. And then let me tell you a story. Where do you find yourself in that story? And that's Jesus' communication style, right? It embodies the values that he's teaching. So I would encourage people to think about what are the values that Jesus has? How did he embody it? Now, how would you apply that? You can't cut and paste, but how would you take those values and live them out on Twitter? How would you take those values and live them out on Instagram? I like it. Yeah, that's very helpful. Talk a little bit about fresh expressions. You really intrigued me with some of their efforts uh, of trying to reach people outside of the church uh, in a completely different way. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, there are a lot of people. Let me put it this way. you've probably been to a church or maybe even been the pastor of a church that had a sign that said something about how all are welcome, right? And most churches want to say that, want to be able to say that, right? Well, uh, you know, so we're recording this um, after vaccines are out and like a lot of COVID stuff has already changed. But I remember early on there, I heard a story about a church uh, in rural Texas uh, that started meeting on Zoom at the beginning of the lockdown. It was a handful, half a dozen septuagenarians and one individual in the church had been uh, blind most of their life. Um, and uh, they started meeting on Zoom. Well, a week and a half, two weeks, like the third Sunday in lockdown, they've got 40 or 50 blind people calling in this Zoom church liturgy. Now, why is that? That church, if you would have found them before, they would have said, all are welcome, right? But there was something about where they were meeting that was not actually uh, available to the people. So they would have said to those 40 blind people, like, you're welcome. This is a really welcome place. We're nice people. The coffee's great. The songs are fine. uh, And we're going to love you. But those people couldn't get there. They couldn't get there, but they could get into a different context that worked for their abilities. Okay, why do I tell you that example? What Fresh Expressions does is we work with established churches and we tell you what you're doing on Sunday is great. And we want you to actually get better at it, right? If you're a Presbyterian who has a high church liturgy, like we want you to do the best Presbyterian high church liturgy that you can. But we also want you to think about the people who can never get into that space on Sundays. Maybe they work on a Sunday. Maybe they would love Presbyterian high church liturgy, but they work on Sundays. Are you willing to do church in a place that they can come? You know, one of the things that's been going on uh, with COVID is people taking off for the weekends and doing their own thing and camping, like the amount of people that are out and about. Um, And I'm telling you, a lot of churches are going to have a hard time convincing people that they should come to a building on Sunday instead of camping. What if, what if you had a uh, expression of church that was meeting around a campfire on Saturday nights? And you were engaging with people where they were doing their life. So the big idea with Fresh Expressions is we teach established churches how to explore and experiment with creating uh, new faith communities, new communities of Jesus in uh, kind of these other contexts besides the traditional Sunday gathering. That's great. I mean, I remember when we were talking about this once before, 
Uh, this was, of course, before COVID, but I imagine they're they're going to be going back to that if they haven't already. But even almost like a, a dinner club that mm-hmm. kind of turns mm-hmm. into this community uh, talking about Jesus. Talk about how you've seen some of those work well. Yeah, so uh, there's a uh, there's a movement that we work with that started out of uh, Seattle, and they were a 90 year old uh, Pentecostal church that saw the writing on the wall. They were dying of attrition. There was a specific date and they, uh, they started trying to do different things and they couldn't get the music good enough to get people to come back. You know, they couldn't, you know, have cool enough preaching or, or, or whatever. It just wasn't working. And they started experimenting in some other spaces. Um, and what they found is that there were a lot of people who were hungry, like literally physically hungry and also hungry for community. And uh, we're very open to spiritual things. So they started um, offering these gatherings where uh, they would offer a meal in a community center, often in a lower income area. They would offer a meal in a community center. And then, you know, 30, 45 minutes into the meal, they would say, hey, if you guys wanna stick around, uh, we're going to tell a Jesus story. They would tell a very short story uh, from the Gospels. We're going to tell a Jesus story, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to pray about how uh, it impacts their lives. And what they would find is no one would leave. They would say, here's your chance to leave. We're going to talk about Jesus. And they would find no one would leave. Uh, they're about 10 years into this, and they now that, that church that had a date on the calendar of when they were going to have to close for attrition, they now have about 15 of these dinner churches meeting throughout the Seattle area alone. And uh, by partnering with Fresh Expressions, we've been able to train hundreds of churches in how to do this. And it's just really easy. Um, you create a space that that people, uh, for people who are hungry. And what we found is, you know, I was describing before, Eric, those uh, contextual groups. There are a group of people who actually won't fit into any of your contextual groups. And it's often because of socioeconomic difference, right? Um, So for instance, like I'll spend uh, some of my free time around here um, doing rock climbing. Austin's a great city for rock climbing. There is like only a specific socioeconomic and I'm learning age uh, (laughs) and family grouping that can do rock climbing. So if I were to try to start a contextual church with rock climbers, like it's honestly going to be a lot of people in kind of my similar life bracket, right? There's a group of people who, because of their, um, their finances, uh, like will never fit into that, but they're hungry for community and they would come to a dinner church and uh, they would pray pray with you. And, and, and uh, we're seeing, it's amazing. What we're seeing is these churches, often very small churches, uh, churches that would be considered on their way out, uh, they're aging out. Um, they're having huge success with it. Well, it's like, you know, you've got maybe a dozen uh, gray-haired ladies who've been cooking casseroles their entire life, right, for their church potluck. And really, we're just saying, why don't you just invite hungry people to join you for that casserole? And they're like, oh, we know how to do that. Um, and then invite, uh, then share a story of Jesus, invite the Holy Spirit in that space. And they're seeing incredible communities build up. Often these very little churches who have a lot more people gathering for their dinner church um, than uh, for their Sunday gathering. Uh, so it's really interesting to see that movement take off. That is really beautiful. Well, it's falling in, in line with what Jesus would do, you know, having dinner with the pagans and the tax collectors. 
Uh, let's talk about in the midst of all the work that you do, what are some other creative ways you've seen folks reaching out to making a difference? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing is uh, kind of having having your eyes open to what's what's going on around you. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to uh, the folks from Community First here in Austin on this podcast yet, but I think they do such a great example. They started as uh, a feeding program. Uh, they started with a, with a handful of sandwich trucks, not even like not even a cool trailer, just a sandwich truck, and they would drive to hot spots uh, where they knew there would be homeless people gathered. Um, and provide food for them. Now, what they found, they started, you know, having these, you know, shared meals in these pop-up spaces and listening to people's stories. And what they would find is it wasn't necessarily poor choices that ended people up online. It was life circumstances followed by a lack of community, right? So they, they went to these people, they looked um, around their neighborhood to see where the people were at. Okay, we see this group of homeless people. They're always here on Thursday night. I bet they're hungry. Let's go. Let's eat with them. Let's hear their story. What do we find out? Well, we find out that they it's not just you know food or work they need. They need uh, the support of community. Well, I think Mobile Loaves and Fishes has been at that now for about 20 years. And about seven years ago, um, they were able to get some land uh, with the vision of um, building an actual community where these people could live for the rest of their lives. And, um, you know, they, they don't look for much, right? So uh, they end up either getting uh, trailers or these uh, building these one-room tiny houses. But if you go out there, I don't know if you've been out there, but I'm jealous. You go out there and uh, they've got these, you know, uh, big sidewalks to walk around and big front porches. Um, and you have people who have never been connected in their life. And um, they're still, they still have all the same issues, right? They're still coming in with addiction and poverty and cycles and stuff like that. But they have people that they see every day and a safe place to sleep. I think that uh, that that's I, you asked initially, like, what have I seen that's creative? I don't know if that's actually creative. What that is is um, it's purposeful listening, right? They listen to the people's needs and then they tried to meet that need, um, and they've grown. They done do a lot of mm -hmm. other things now. They do gardening, and they I have a good friend who uh, runs like a, a forging business <laughs> where they're like got you know the big metal hammers and stuff like that. Um, that they're doing all of that, and they have a car shop, auto shop there. Uh, but all of that has come from let's start with asking what people need, uh, also what they're good at, and how can we kind of build a sense of community where they can uh, live those things out. Yeah, it is really amazing community. And we've had some gatewayers involved uh, from the beginning uh, of even mobile loaves and fishes. And it's really remarkable. I'm glad you brought them up because they're actually meeting a need. And in the process of meeting those physical needs, obviously, uh, they're they're helping people find faith and getting off the streets, yeah. actually yeah. Uh, moving from just giving some food to someone who's asking for it to actually, what do you really need and how do we help you get there? Well, Chris, I'm really grateful for you. Thanks for all that you're doing. Thanks for taking some time to be with us today. For sure. Thanks for having me. And thanks for getting these stories out. Hopefully it'll inspire some listening and creativity in your audience.
Thanks for joining us on the Post-Christian Podcast. More resources available at ericbryant.org.